0: YouTube and Periscope, and um, tonight we have a show which we will name In the Trenches with Early Educators, and we have, um, let's just say she is the host of the show, Sharon joining us tonight, and um, she's going to bring something very unique to Less Talk as um uh, she has an announcement to make, what she's trying to do, and for those that don't know, um, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to sit down with Sharon and have a discussion. And tonight we're gonna continue our discussion as well as talk about some of the things that she has in the works for Let's Talk. Good evening, Sharon.
1: Good evening, Quentin, thank you very much. and Hello, everybody. I am so excited to be here um, within the trenches with early educators. And like Quentin said a few weeks ago, came on because I'm a brand new author. Um, I also was a collaborator. So we have a newly published book back in July. And he asked us to come on to talk about the book and, you know, a little bit of information around that. And so he invited us, you know, anytime, come back to the show anytime. So here I am, not just anytime, but
0: twice a month, guys. Oh, (laughs) twice a month. Twice a month, yes. So, so, so we discussed it a little bit behind the scenes. Twice a month, you're gonna come on and you're gonna have a show twice a month on Wednesdays at seven o'clock. Yes. What What is your goal towards the show?
1: Um, I feel like I, I, I'm in early education, and so my arena is birth to five. That's my mainstay. Um, I have had experiences across the board, um, but my mainstay is zero to five. And I believe that is like the most critical time. That's where children's personalities are formed. You know, the brain connections are made to determine further learning, whether they will have an easy time with learning or a more difficult time with learning. And I think that we just don't get enough props. There are a lot of us out there. And we have issues and um, uh, celebrations just like everyone else, but we don't really have a platform where it comes out unless it's some big name organization uh, that many people in the field don't even, oftentimes, don't even know about those. So, part of what I hope to do with this uh, platform is to bring awareness to the Birth of Five arena of some of the challenges we have um, some of the celebrations, our influence and our impact, um, on, on, uh, higher education, um, because it all starts with us.
0: When we, when we, when you, when you talk about what you plan on doing with the show and, you know, like I told you your book, um, what you told me is it's an amazing, uh, vision that you have. And I know that you instituted the title of the book into the name of the show. Yeah. What, what was the reason why you decided to, to go there?
1: Um, what, part of it is because it, it's mm. it just it's all tying in, um, Quentin. In the trenches, when we came up with the name of the book, it's like that's where we are. All educated, we are in the trenches. We are not back behind the scenes, back on the base, making plans. That's not us. We are in the trenches. We're on right on the front line in battle every single day, um, facing those challenges that come along with um, educating children. So I felt like I
0: wanted to kind of pull that thread um, to the show. One of one of the things that we had discussed from prior was, um, you know, I don't I don't have a, my child is not in school, mm-hmm. and I could I could only imagine from a school teacher's perspective teaching in the covid like teaching now whether you know whether you agree with teaching virtually or classroom i mean from a parent's perspective it got to be a hard decision mm-hmm. definitely from an educator's it has got to be a hard decision because when kids get the common cold usually the teacher gets the common cold as well <laughs> that
1: is true um, when you think about our environments, they're enclosed. When you go into a classroom, um, it, it's enclosed by four walls. There's some windows that very often in newer buildings don't really open. And then you've got the door. And so it is a breeding ground for germs. And when we're talking about children who do this and, you know, <coughs> in your face. And so you, you, it 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 really can be a scary thing, both as a parent and an educator. I don't, because I'm not in the classroom anymore, it's not something I've had to face personally, but I have a lot of friends and colleagues who are either in the classroom, um, leadership at schools, um, directors over childcare programs, owners trying to make decisions on whether to to be open or not. Uh, Many of my friends are still, uh, still have children uh, school-aged children and their parents and so it's a different it's it's a, it's kind of like a no-win situation here you know what I'm saying the children many of our children need to be in school because school is that place where they're going to get those those nutritious meals and snacks they're going to get the nurture you know they're gonna they, they they're gonna learn better because they are face-to-face the teacher is right there to support them um whereas the virtual
0: I mean, you know, yeah, that's that, that's, yeah. that's actually where a kid, a younger a younger child actually learns to socialize um, in school. And we had discussed it before, you know, uh, the district that me and Shanee grew up in right now ran out of Chromebooks, the Chromebooks oh. go back order. And it's like, you know, when you sit and think about it, you sit, you you ask yourself, well, maybe the people have these resources. And I had to share with you before that the occupation that I have. I know that the majority of the country doesn't even have Wi-Fi. Right. So I can only, like, no Wi-Fi. Your district is doing virtual teaching, and it's like you're stuck. The, um, the parent is trying to juggle with having a job because they're essential uh-huh. and getting getting their kid the, um, the, the very best education that they could possibly get going forward. I mean, so what? So what plans do you have for the show? Like, far as what do you, what do you, you know? You told me your intention. I mean, I'm excited. Don't, don't, you know? I don't want you to think I'm not excited. Um, no, no, no. Um, like, like I told you, this, your uh, you, uh, the universe don't make mistakes. So no, it does not. No, it does
1: not. And one of my affirmations um, that I say every morning is, "Why do things always work out so well for me?" And so it's no mistake. That I called at the appropriate time, and here
0: we are. Uh, what was your tonight. phrase? The one, I, so, the uh, one I really liked.
1: Which I oh, put the one to put. Oh, <laughs> put some action behind that do- desire, and just watch. Yes, that yeah. is in the info of the book, um, and that comes from um, many, really all of us, the, the original authors, and even in the next book, uh, we've already started working on book two. The biggest piece why why we have not become had not become authors when we did um, is because we were afraid. We were afraid of you know is my writing going to be good enough now now these are educators right mm. questioning our writing capabilities um, and then another one was who who wants to really hear what I have to say well our stories connect if you are an educator or a parent. I mean, or, or work with children in any way, our stories will connect with you because you've you've dealt, even if you're not in the field, because the themes are general themes. They just play themselves out in the world of education, um, and um, and so many people had the desire for years, just hadn't done anything, and including myself. And so that phrase, as I was writing the intro, it just came to me. And so that I've kind of coined that phrase. Um, and it's what I put um, when I sign my book on my page. That is usually what I put in there. And if it's a personal, I'll personalize it inside the cover. But um, it, it, I, it kept, this was a dream, something I always wanted to do. And when someone put my mentor, put the challenge out what you're going to do with all this time that you have now during COVID you've been gifted. You've been given the gift of time. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to be better? And um, that's when the idea came to me, I'm going to do this thing. And so amazingly enough, we went from, I called the publisher. We went from conception when I told him about it on April the 9th to production, with the, the ebook being published on Amazon July the seventh of this year
0: during COVID. So um you can see that statement? Yeah, let's see. <laughs> Early childhood uh, educators are also caregivers. We give hugs and pick children up and choose proximity is essential to the caregiving process. So something like COVID is of concern to teachers. Yeah. Yeah, because As- and if you're, watching, if you're watching on YouTube, um, one of the things that a lot of us don't understand about YouTube is the YouTube algorithms are very important. So if you're on YouTube, make sure that you like and subscribe to the channel so that even if you don't catch Sharon when she does the show live, you'll get the alert that she's doing the show or... So forth, so so. Make sure that you like and subscribe to the channel and like the content. Um, I know that some of the shows you may not like, but uh, we got some interesting uh, things on our our plate. But I'm very, I'm, I'm looking really looking forward to what Sharon is going to bring um, to the channel, as well as myself. Like I get a front row seat every week to listen to this, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm glad you're here because um like I said, it this allows me to reach um, our industry and others to educate other people about our industry and the, and the story of 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 teachers and and child care providers and center owners and directors and people who are in leadership roles and And there's so many intricate moving parts to the birth to five arena that, um, you know, it's not recognized. Most of the time when I tell people what I do, you know, oh, what school system do you work for? Well, I don't. You know, I work for a nonprofit agency, a child care resource and referral agency uh, with the state of Georgia. And so, again, my hope is to bring a lot of awareness, a lot of education around what happens before the children get to kindergarten, and how that impacts kindergarten on into adulthood.
0: Also, if anybody has a, in the chat has a question for Sharon, um, I'm quite sure she'll be more than welcome to answer any question that you may have in regards to what she's uh, mentioning. Wow. that I mean, that's a task. I, you know, I kind of, like I told you um, when we had our discussion before, you know, at, the, at that age, it's so many different things going on. For before a child, I told you I, I was one of them them kids that act that acted out a lot and um I don't think I acted out because I was bad, sort of say. It was just something to do. Um, you know, as crazy as it may seem. I think that now with kids and I and I always hear this, you know, I have seen it with my nieces and their age group. I remember when that thing ADHD just came about, and I'm like, what's that? They're like, oh, it's some type of diagnosis. I'm like, man, we all had ADHD when I was in school. What you talking <laughs> about? We wasn't we wasn't normal. So I, I think that when you're dealing with children of that age, you guys, from an educational standpoint, you guys are like, not for lack of better words, and I'm not taking y'all out of y'all profession, but y'all kind of like got to be like doctor too. Because you got to see certain things in behavior that Maybe educators of yesterday may just be like, ain't nothing going on. Now you have to be a little bit nosy. Yeah. So dealing with the parent, yeah. um, you know, it might be a little bit tricky because you know, the village don't raise children like it used to.
1: It does not. It and 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 it is my hope that uh one of the good things that will come out of this COVID situation is that we realize that we need one another. We cannot do this on our own. People are literally going crazy. I was one of them. After so much time in the house and not connecting, I mean truly connecting like this plat- This is one thing to talk through video. Yeah, that's great when it's new. You know, oh my God, I just talked on the video. However, after so many meetings on, on Zoom and so many um, um, uh, trainings and just interfacing through this virtual platform, you miss, just like the, the Atlanta Center for Professional Development said that um oh you, ACP, that's Michelle. Oh my gosh. Hey Michelle. So um but just like she said, it's it's about the nurturance. We are connection. We were created to be in relationship. And so when we are unable to have that, it does something to us, and we crave the touch, the hugging, you know, the the conversation, just you know, the, just how you touch somebody on the shoulder, you know, man, whatever, you bump the fist, and we can't do any of that. You know, mm. we attempt a fist bump, birth, oh, up wrong way.
0: Fist bump. I mean, even I mean, I mean, was, <laughs> I mean, what's amazing about that is that a lot of um, people in the mental health field are saying how like their business is kind of going up right now because a lot of us are dealing with uh, depression Mm -hmm. and so forth and so on because of human nature has been created we've been created to socialize Mm -hmm. so now with no socialization i mean um even for a lot of people i know that had deaf in their families not even being able to hug and embrace your loved ones yeah. during this time, unless they live with you, I mean, it's kind of kind of difficult, and it's kind it's not natural. It's not. And, uh, and like I like you said, kids are always blowing their nose, rubbing <laughs> their eyes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's good. I'm I, you know I'm I, like I said I'm very uh, intrigued at what you what you plan on doing, and uh, I'm gonna be here and. Uh, I know you, I know you got some, some things up under your sleeve. Oh,
1: I- you know, I'll be challenged every, every month to, to go higher and higher. Um, one of the things that I do plan to do with, uh, with the show though, Quentin is, um, have guest speakers and, um, most of the people, I don't want to say, I don't want to, I, I don't want to put anybody on a high platform or belittle or berate anybody. But I want a lot of everyday people who are in the trenches. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there will be times when we'll have some folks who are in leadership roles, and I mean big time leadership roles. But I also want to hear from the voices of the people who are who are doing it every day, who can give us real live um, stories about what they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis from a variety of perspectives. You know what I'm saying? So I, I have people who own programs. I have people I know people who are principals, um, people who are teachers in the elementary, high school, you know, people in the childcare industry, people who are trainers and consultants, people at the state level. And so I want to just bring so much of a variety of perspectives so that we can hear it from everybody, because so often what we get from the media is just that what we get for this propaganda, and so the story can be twisted to make us hear what they want us to hear, right? Even though it's not kind of really how it happened. So again, that's part of why I want to do this. I want some truth coming out. I want real people who are out there every day doing the work, not just sitting behind the table making decisions. But I want to get some of them here too.
0: Well, I well I can tell you now. I remember when the last time when we did the interview, um, you said to me, "Oh, are you just recording and you gonna edit? We ain't editing nothing, mistakes and all. We bringing it all like like the show. The show is live, and you know once it goes on YouTube and Facebook platforms, I don't touch them. I don't. I mean, I believe in being very organic, um, yes. and I know that's what you want to present. So we want people to to understand all of the pros and those cons that come with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was I don't think most people understand how the role the school plays with the breakfast program. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of during COVID, you saw where a lot of people. Weren't used to their kids being home for breakfast and lunch. Right. Now it's now it's more money going out. And some of the school districts they did have, you know, you could drive by the school and pick up a free lunch. But mm-hmm. some, I know a lot of people said that was inadequate. I mean, um, we discussed it before that we both believed that um, education should be given that same blank check that the Department of Defense get. But uh, you know, hope. <laughs> Hopefully we'll have someone in charge one day that was an educator and they give that blank check to the Department of Education where we wouldn't have to have shortages of resources like food food, and, and things that children need to maintain and survive. And to think about just school because so many of our kids, even as far back as the early, edu- early kids, they shouldn't have to worry about that type of stuff. You know? They
1: But they do, and and it happens at such a young age where um, there's scarcity, scarcity of food. Um, You talked about internet, so there's scarcity of uh, access to technology. You know, there is um, scarcity with clothing. Those children that wear the same thing to food every day and whether it is because they don't have or whether it is because their home life situation there, there are just adults who are not paying enough attention. We don't know the whys all the time, but it hap- we know it happens. And so with going back to what you said about we are doctors, we're a lot of things. I tell um young teachers, new teachers, one of the I, we're detectives because we have to figure out a lot of stuff. Like you said, just from looking and listening and asking questions, um, you'll find out what you need to know about that child to be able to truly tap in and reach that child and then help that family with the resources that they may need but we we play a a counselor you know therapist sometimes uh we we have to um nurse first aid you know when 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 something happens and they're not feeling well and in the in the school they can go to the nurse in er early care and education it's just there hey charlene thank you for joining us this evening good to see you that is one of um one of my directors that i work with so um it's just i think that again there's so much that people don't see educators spend so much money out of their own pocket so we do need that yes it does start early starbucks girl it does start early
0: yeah they, those, those are some things in the chat that i just wanted to bring up uh you have a you have an audience here, so I don't want to scare I you. That. Yeah, because I, I can't now that's what, yeah,
1: Quentin has to help me on that because I can't see you guys.
0: So I have no <laughs> <family here. laughs> So I yeah, it's I, I, I the scarcity and, and the educators having to go in their pocket. I used to um and I'm still affiliated with a food bank and they uh once a year they give out supplies to those teachers and it's like It's it's amazing that people don't understand, like, people don't have pencils, paper and pen. And it's like, we take this stuff for granted. And, And I know you being a nonprofit, having to solicitate these companies to, as we would say, give back is like, you know, it's like painstaking because a lot of times they don't understand. Like when you guys (laughs) ask people for assistance, it ain't because y'all want to ask them, it's because y'all really need it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you you know, first of all, every time something happens and budgets have to be cut, what's the first thing they cut? Education. Mm. It's always the first thing on the chopping block. I mean, they cut the Georgia pre-K budget.
0: I'm going to ask you a question about that. It, you know what, you, you you just brought that up. I mean, even state to state on a national level, why is it, no matter who's in charge, because we, we don't want to attack a political party, but it's always, and I can remember while you saying that, even since I was a kid when I used to watch C-SPAN with my grandparents, education always is the first thing they attack you know
1: what what's the saying if you want to know what a person values look at their checkbook and so to me that our country doesn't truly value education we are a capitalistic society and so our push is make money make money make money make money well education doesn't really make you money like that you have to spend money spend money spend money in education but they don't understand the impact. And uh, 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 well, let's see, we're gonna get into something else. Maybe they do, and maybe that's why. Because <laughs> you know, there's the whole preschool, the the the, pre, the, the pipeline from preschool to prison. Mm-hmm. And so, if they can keep us underfunded, and we don't have the things that we need, and our kids who need it the most aren't getting it, they're already they're they're already on the path.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of, uh, we kind of like always try to make things separate, but in no actuality, everything ties together. Um, I shared that with with you, discussing some things behind the scenes before, Mm -hmm. how a lot of uh, guys in jail, some of their issues with crime started all the way back as behavioral problems in school. And it's like, you know, I don't think that the parent or that child even understands what's going on but yeah. as you would say the the educators maybe not the teachers who care or the educators who care but somewhere somebody is earmarking them for that pipeline absolutely
1: absolutely yes yes And one thing thank you stephanie that's one thing that um we were talking about covid has this pandemic has done that that people are really beginning to understand what we deal with every day,
0: all day, even after school. <laughs> and, and, and then on top of that, you got to go home and you got to worry about your family.
1: Yes. That, and that's one of the reasons I came out of the classroom. I, when I realized when I would come home from work, I had did not have enough energy for my own babies. I said, okay, I've got to find another way to do this there. I can't. And, you know, there are hundreds of thousands, millions of teachers who figure that out. I was just one who could, my path, my journey was different, you know? And so that's when I began to step up into more leadership roles where I am now and doing the training and the consulting um, and helping grow teachers to their maximum potential as educators. So um, I think I think that it, it's it's just when it comes to education, that's, that's what I said. We're gonna have you. Sometimes people, what are you gonna talk about? Oh my gosh, you just wait, because it's all intertwined. It's yeah. everything starts with we wouldn't have politicians, and we wouldn't have doctors and lawyers and anyone else who does anything, because in order to get a job, what do you have to have? Have diploma,
0: at least
1: or GD, right? If you want to do a professional level job, you have to have a college degree. So obviously education is important because of all the teachers that said, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. Bump it. I'm out. What are you going to do? You can't just put anybody in that position. Mm. It is a very specialized. Teachers have to go through a whole lot To become certified to be able to stand in a classroom and teach so we deserve you know the the honor and the respect and the exposure Um, and so that's that has become my platform to make sure that that um, through my book
0: that the word gets out um, stories from you, you, you gave you gave your book a plug, Sharon. Can That's you give stuff. a pl- could could you give it a plug all the way? You just threw oh, a book would, on the screen. Give it
1: a real plug, but since
0: okay, I'll give it the
1: real plug.
0: You know, right? don't do it halfway.
1: <laughs> so this is um, in the trenches. Stories from the heart of early childhood professionals. This is the first edition. Um, there are nine of us in this book. And I hope that some of them were able to join in tonight. Um, It was, it it was a a birthing process. I'm excited that it happened. Uh, We will have to drop the information uh, where you can purchase the book. Of course you can get it uh, on Amazon, but you know, as authors, we try to do our own thing because it's just better for us monetarily speaking since there are nine of us um, in that book. Um, And so when there is a, a collaboration, it Amazon is convenient, but it's much better to go through the author because Amazon takes. In this capitalistic society, Amazon's going to make their money too.
0: <laughs> so, so one of one of one of the things after you give your plug to your book is, um, <laughs> like I told you, I'm a, I'm an avid reader and I just think that it's amazing. Um, I want you guys to know you. I told you on Shani, Shani before as well as you could tell the other um, authors you guys to do this during COVID is an amazing job. I mean, to be able to get everybody as we would say to think on the same page and I'm glad that you did the book and I'm glad that once I get it I know I'm going to like it because Absolutely. It, I'm quite sure it's nine different journeys and nine different stories and I can only imagine. Some people, some people got probably got some horror stories in there.
1: (laughs) Not quite horror, you know, however, there are some, some trials, people really went through some things. Um, and, and, and the great thing is in your, in their second chapter, you read about how they overcame those challenges in the first chapter. And so, you know, how that helps is if you resonate with that, we had, One of our Amazon, one of our first Amazon um, um, testimonies or uh, the feedback that they give talk about one chapter out of the whole book. They talked about this one chapter that hit them and made it open their eyes. And they were just like, thank you so much. You know, this is really going to help me uh, be a better educator. And so it's, it's the stories like that that you hear from from people. Oh, we got another one coming. All right, Steph. <laughs> you know, you know, you know she.
0: Sharon, Sharon, why you just talking? Right, I see her question. It pops up. Right. So uh-huh. the first thing, the first thing that caught me was institutional racism, and oh, um, sure. one yeah. of the things, one of, yeah. one we of the we were talking about it. We just didn't blatantly call it that. Yeah, but but see the thing, the thing about it, Sharon, is nowadays with everything that's going on all you hear is police, 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 police reform. This thing is bigger than police reform. I mean, yeah, literally, the whole structure of this country. So if you really want to rectify a situation, that structure needs to be broken down Absolutely. and rebuilt. Um, it sounds crazy. I know some purists may be like, oh, he," you know, but that's the only way, I mean, you know, clearly educators see what's going on. Um, you got people, you got people Um, nowadays, and, and even what, what the president just did, where he doesn't want the uh, Project 1619 even be taught in the, in the schools, which I believe, I believe that Nana Jones did a very good job with the uh, Wall Street Journal with that. I read it. I actually was very intrigued when it was coming out. I read it. I saw their stuff on YouTube. I believe it was a good job. Um, It's just amazing how, and not making an excuse for the president, is that one thing that we as people don't understand is that um, some people just don't get it. Not because they're just ignorant. They just don't get it. And what I mean by that is that growing up where I grew up at, In high school, I went to Ellis Island for a school trip. So, if you have a group of people whose family came through Ellis Island, they came to America with hope. Mm -hmm. For us, we got to America in despair. Mm -hmm. So, their experience or their outlook on this country is always going to be positive. They're going to always think that, you know, oh, you know, the, the old method pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I mean, it has never been, and I always try to say this, not to deflect away from your show. Mm-hmm. I personally, I personally believe that the Black American, for where we have gotten to, where we came from, is absolutely remarkable. Yeah, well, we are
1: remarkable people. We we are resilient beyond We are. If you look up the word resilient, it should just be pictures of Black people um, because we have come as you said, I was watching, um, Samuel L. Jackson has started a yes, it must be has started a, um, he's got a reality show where he, he traced his own roots, um, back to Africa and he is mapping the story of the slave trade and they're actually diving and finding evidences of the ships that were, um, you know, bringing slaves across to the Western Hemisphere. And just watching that,
0: you know, I, it emotions. You know, you know? It's, it, it's, <laughs> it's an interesting thing because you hear a lot of people and they'll say, oh, we're tired of hearing about that story. But, because we were more than that. We, we, we you know, our ancestor gene we were kings, we were queens, yes. But I think that we really really need to understand that we were probably the only enslaved people ever on the planet who lost everything yeah. religion, religion, spirituality, uh, language you know usually people kept their language names. not us you know names, family, I mean, even even origin you know you got, you got some people that were slaves in a particular part of the world they knew where they came from. You know, we don't even know. Oh, I came from Ghana. Well, I ain't come from Ghana. I came from, from East Africa. And it's, it's really, really sad. And it's something that, um, you know, those stories that were passed down from generation, they'll never, I, I believe we'll never forget about it and never um, forget about the stories. So whether they want to teach them in our educational uh, institutions or not, we're going to always talk about them.
1: Yeah, and we, and, and I agree. That, that because until the system tells our story in truth, that's why the racism can continue to be perpetuated because there's a story that people are taught to believe that isn't true, while the truth continues to be suppressed, you know? And so we have to be, we have to take responsibility um, for making it happen. One of the ways we could do that is in November, I saw a a post on um, Facebook that said, um, let's go to uh, the biggest family reunion uh, we've ever seen, the biggest black family reunion on November the 3rd, see you at the polls. And I think what people don't understand, we're so caught up in the top leadership election that we forget about the fact that there are a whole lot of other uh, officials that we need to be voting in starting at the local level, you know, it's, in, it, it, and so whether or not you believe in, or le- let's look at the whole picture. Let's not throw the baby out with the bath water. You know, you, we, we, we have to take a look at what do you want for, for your country and who's supporting that and whether they're supporting 100% of what you want if collectively they're supporting most of what we need and what we want, you know, we probably need to go with that.
0: You know it's, it's funny because you know, I told you uh, politics, I, I, I purposely trigger people when it comes to that stuff with yeah. some of the things that, some of the things that I say and do. but, but most people don't understand that my personal um, uh, my personal thing is just to hold them accountable. I was a person that could not vote at one time. Mm-hmm. And I understood the purpose of voting when I could not vote. So now, being that I can vote again, i your vote is not a gift. It's not something you should just be giving away because I like that person, which happens a lot. I like the way they move. I like, the, mm-hmm. No, they work for us. Mm-hmm. Like straight up, i you know, they work. For us, when they want to run to come want to come around and say what they're going to do with all these broken promises and all that stuff, we should hold them accountable. Which even even to the point, and I know what's going on in the world today. Like, I shouldn't have to wait for November for results. You work for me. Hold an emergency session down in D.C., and I want answers for why a particular thing keep going on. And it's like. We gotten to the point as the people where we think that we're subservient to them. No, no.
1: Yeah, and that that's the thing. Our government is supposed to work for us, and we became complacent at some point. And so we go do our due diligence and vote people in office, and then we just kind of sit back and watch what happens. And it's like you said, you know, they they hire lobbyists to, you know, there are people who are who get paid a lot of money. <laughs> to go and support certain uh, bills and certain issues. And we should be doing the same thing. And we don't, you know, that's another area of education. Um, I I have a wonderful person and I hope she will uh, be willing to join us. Um, She is here in Atlanta and she works very diligently. You know, all all of our Georgia representatives know her by first name (laughs) because every time they are in session, she is down at the Capitol advocating for children and in particular black children. And so um you know the 2020 census. You
0: know which is which, is which is which in my personal opinion is more important than the election. I
1: you, you know and people don't understand what the census I don't want them all in my business. They don't need to know how many yes they do because part of the reason you have to go a hundred miles to get to uh, decent medical care is because your people in your your area did not do the fill out census, so you got looked over. There's no need to put anything in this area because there aren't enough people to serve. So mm-hmm. the, the census is ha- for the for ten years. They make they're going to make decisions off of this 2020 census <laughs> that are going to be in place for ten years. So when we don't have services, when when they're shutting schools down, you you know that's how they. You know, and then you're going to complain when your child school is overcrowded. Well, they ain't had nobody shutting it down. Well, nobody in that neighborhood filled out the census, so they didn't know how many children were there.
0: Because we was at home during the pandemic and forgot about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let me tell you something. I got something in the mail. I promise you, every other week about that doggone census, even after I filled it out. So I'm not going. To, I'm not going to take that you know because it came to air if you had it went to every address every residential address whether your name it said your name or current resident mm-hmm. so when we say we don't know it's part sometimes not always sometimes we but we have that old art they what they said they if you want to keep information from us mm. put it in writing because we don't read and we have to become more avid readers because that's where the real information is. The media, I don't watch the news because it, it, I get upset. And so I just would rather, I don't, stop. you know, think about it. news comes on first thing in the morning and the last thing before you go to bed. They're program, programming our minds,
0: you know, and so... Super. My cousin, my cousin got an idea for us. She asked us, what type of ideas can I have to get people to sign up for the census? It's crazy how people are scared. Uh, wow. <laughs> All right, so
1: let's put that out to everybody because let's see. Um, well, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do because i got some information on the job today. Because I work with child care programs, I'm going to work with center directors to come up with some kind of fun campaign to talk about being counted and talk about um, the census to get, because they're saying that in our state, and I'm in Georgia, in Georgia in particular, the numbers for people who have completed the census is so low and that's scary to me because what is that going to mean when they start allocating federal dollars to our state? We don't need it because we don't have that many, even though they know that those numbers have to be off So one of the things I'm going to do is work with those childcare programs that are open to make sure that they are asking parents, you know, have you done the census? And even letting them know that this is how, you know, this is how we get our money. This is how we get programs in our area. This is how they determine hospitals and libraries and all those uh, things that our tax dollars pay for. That's how they decide who gets it. And if we aren't counted, we don't exist. Um, I don't know if anybody else has ideas put it in the chat and 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 we'll share and we can share with each other But was it nisi? Was that? So see that's something for me um, To write down because one of the things I do want to do is be efficient and if there are things we don't resolve Here on the show or have ideas we want to come back and revisit it So that we can share with people so, creative ways to get census buy-in, and you know we are hard, we are hard a hard uh, sell because we will we will put our feet in and 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 dig in and won't budge. And I think I think a, a lot of that, historically speaking, comes from a place of mistrust of the government because of, you know I mean even now. <laughs> Watch yeah. the government, you know. But we we have to understand that we are a part of this country. We do live. We're citizens. We pay taxes. You know, they take anybody who works, pay federal, yeah. and anybody who buys anything in their state are paying state, and sometimes even county taxes.
0: My, so, uh, my cousin Nisi Sharon, she runs a diaper bank. Oh, where? in North, North, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. So,
1: so see, those kind those are the kinds right. of things we need we need to shout out on my
0: show. Look, hey, listen, we need to like we got to get back to having like the Green Book, right? Having the what? Like the Green Book, having our resources with our books yes. and <laughs> Yes. Going going old school like, okay, I, I'm in Georgia, I got to get through Georgia. I got to know who to get and stay with so I don't have any uh, issues going on. Yeah. But um, Sharon.
1: Even just to support because she's where now?
0: She's in Essex County in North New Jersey.
1: Okay. So, like, you're in Jersey, but I also have family in Jersey. Might not be in that same county, but to me, it's all about getting the word out. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm glad Nisi's here. I hope she keeps coming back.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh she was actually we were actually supposed to do a show and um, my scheduling kind of messed up. I was all over the place. Uh that was my my fault, but uh hopefully okay. she'll be on the show soon and Boy. definitely we'll uh pass information along. So uh Sharon, do you have anything else you would like to add? Uh wow, don't ask me that. So I do though,
1: I have a story I want to tell. All right, and this story. what I've been saying about early education being the foundation so my best friend uh, one of my best friends her son is uh, planning to go to medical school he's studying for the MCAT he has a couple of friends who've already taken it and there's a section on the test called cars it's the critical analysis and reasoning section okay and they failed that part Now, because of COVID, the MCAT has been shortened. So they don't have as much opportunity to get as many points. So that car section, while many people probably did not do very very well on it in the past, they had more tests to give them more points so they might not have failed. Well, they've cut out a lot of those sections. And so now this car section is really important for you to pass the MCAT. Well... Uh, the conversation went, she said, Well, you know, they're saying that that test just wasn't meant for us to pass. You know, and yes, there's a lot of racial bias, cultural bias in standardized tests. But when she explained to me, and I went to do some research and I looked it up, it's critical thinking skills. Hmm. And what happens, we're so, as a culture, we are so inundated with. They have to. They need to learn. They need to learn. No, they need to learn how to think, because learning just means, I'm. Which is why we're how we are. I'm just waiting for you to give me give it to me, and then I'll give it back to you. As opposed to thinking, I'm presented with a situation, and now I've got to figure out how to how to solve it. And so what happens is there's there's a reading passage. And then there are some questions that they have to answer. There's multiple choice. So the answers are given to you, but you have to be, it's not a blatant answer. So the question is not gonna say, well, what color was the cat in the story? It starts there though. That's how we begin the comprehension, right? But it's more critical. And you, the, the information is going to, you've got to kind of look at it and say, well, this is stated in a negative way and it's not stated positively in the passage, so this must be it. So and it starts early helping children solve problems when they're fighting over toys, helping them talk it out, you know, when they're 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 blocked, their building keeps falling. Well, I don't it keeps falling. Well, I wonder why that's happening. Let's take a look and see what you're doing and figure it out. Let's figure out why. So it begins in preschool, giving children, we call it common sense it's not common sense it's critical thinking and 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 I was a product of the SRA reading program and I give all the props to my education and why I'm such an avid reader and why I do have um, some good critical thinking skills I give it credit to that because that program all you did was read little stories and and have to critically analyze a comprehension question so you have to go back in the text and figure out the answer. And that's all that that, that section of the NCAP is doing. And so I gave her some tips, but I, told, I was like, wow, this is just validation that, that what we're doing at the early stage, it's more important to teach children how to think. Because if you teach them how to think for themselves, they can find the information. I can get I can get a, a, a master's degree education. I can get a PhD education if I just go buy the books and and read and researching. And I can get the education. I won't have the degree for it, but I can get the education. And so I think
0: I think that most people don't understand the difference between um, theory and um, being able to applicable skills. I mean, it's not uh, it's not always easy. I mean, even think of some of the things that are values that a lot of us have. Yeah, it sounds good in theory, but your actions is totally different than to what you're saying. Your value is because you believe in it in theory, but you don't believe in an action. Um, right. I think that's a very um, critical thinking. I told you a lot of a lot of this stuff. Unfortunately, um, we don't as as we say we wait till it's too late to challenge um, the student. I mean, mm-hmm. you can you can start that early with critical thinking, being able to problem solve, and using little things instead of just as you would say bookwork. Yeah. No, get them to problem solve at a, at a very early age, and um, you know, I, I'm like I told you, I'm really looking forward to this, and this is going to be fun. Oh,
1: <laughs> I, I think so. I, I just. I want to thank all of the people that um, joined in, uh, both your listeners and my new listeners. Um, and I hope that they will continue to come back and not only join my show, but check out some of the other things uh, that you have going on, some of the other regulars that you have uh, that come on uh, weekly or monthly or however often they're coming on. So I know I started watching a couple of videos. Uh, and uh, so it, it, it's it's good, interesting stuff
0: that you we have. So. Well, I have um just a programming note. I'm glad you brought that up. I have a friend of mine that I'm going to talk to tonight at 10:30 Eastern. He's out in um Sacramento, California, mm-hmm. and he's actually one of the brothers who wrote legislation for the bill to be passed for reparations. Okay. And actually, what's going on now is. They're just waiting for the governor of California to sign the bill. Wow! So I'm um, supposed to talk to him tonight. We 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 actually met. You know, a lot of people don't understand that social media can be a benefit. We actually met on Twitter. Okay. We we, we collab on a lot of information. Um, so I'm gonna have a talk with him tonight, and um, <laughs> tomorrow I got to talk to an independent candidate that's running for. <laughs> congressman down in Tennessee. Wow. Um, so we have we got some things in store. Wow. I mean, a, a lot of times with the shows, some people may be like, oh, this show ain't for me. And like a friend of mine always say that um, the shows may not be for everybody. I try to be everywhere mm-hmm. to gauge what people like, what people be interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that for me, like I told you, Education is very, um, I did not go to college. I didn't go to second. I went to secondary school, but didn't complete. Mm -hmm. But I believe in education. I believe in how important it is today. I'm an avid reader. I've read over 500 books and have a very good memory. So I'm one of the people that can um, remember a lot of the things that I've read. So I I am intrigued by what you want to do with the show and where you want to take it and, um, you know, as well as your audience that you brought to the chat I mean I appreciate you guys and remember like subscribe and share get the word out of what Sharon's trying to do just because you know her that doesn't mean that your whole audience knows who she is and what she's trying to do so make sure that you share this show and you know explain what she's trying to bring to the table and you know we never know um, the connections that we make along the way and how these uh, connections will help us with what in, on the journey that we're all traveling. Absolutely. So, with that, we're going to close out the show. The yeah. next show for Sharon, I think, is what is it, October 7th? October the 7th, yeah. October 7th, 7 p.m., right here. Um, you know, make sure that you like, subscribe, and share so you get the reminder. Hit the little bell thing on YouTube so you get the reminder that uh we're gonna be going live so you don't forget. And uh, really appreciate you guys in the chat. Really appreciate um being a being to do a show and have questions in the chat helps me and Sharon as well yeah. because a lot of times she may want to talk about something but because yeah. she wasn't asked she'll forget so you know she's an engaging person so i'm quite sure that when she gets questions she wants to answer those questions and uh with that everybody have a blessed night and stay safe good night